How's it going, guys? I'm Zeke. And I'm Jay. And you're listening to the Cinema Sideshow Podcast, episode 47. Whoa, we're getting there. Let me adjust I, my mic. I feel like that's like every week you do we, that. We both adjust it at the same time there. Know, but was, how are that you, was Jay? sexual. I'm good, sir. Thank you for... <laughs> that was definitely sexual. It's yeah. funny moving around the mic like a... <laughs> Did like, you I see that Magic Mike is now a live show? Oh, is it really? Yeah. And it's like endorsed by Channing Tatum. Speaking of sexual... But anyway, we're here to talk about movies, <laughs> not live performances. So how, oh, how are you, Jake? Geez. I've heard you've caught a lot of things. This I have last caught week. a lot of things. Um, I feel like we're going to do a speed round on this for me because it's just it's it's a lot of stuff with not a lot to say about really any of them. I actually had a very similar week. Oh, oh no! Yeah, I'm going to have to like quantity over quality. It was it was a very <laughs> much a. Yeah, you know, you go first, brother. All right, you need you need a letterbox. You need to keep track of all the I, the junk. I do. I have it. I just can never be compelled to like keep note of it. Right. Well, I used to have a. I mean, I had a letterbox for a long time. It's only recently I kind of learned how to use it. Just turn that video off, sir. Sorry. We're, we're Sorry. recording a show. Sorry, I was <laughs> completely forgot. Was that your Spotify thing? Uh, no, that was uh, no. Netflix. As I was checking what I had watched this week. Oh, and it just started a random movie. Just, you know what it does? Like the auto trailers. <laughs> oh that. right, gotcha. Actually. Oh, mine's on 60 volume. I'm going to turn my laptop down too. Thank you for saving me. All right. Well, I'm going to do a little speed round, Zeke, and mm-hmm. you tell me if you've seen such film or not. Okay. And I'll give you my quick little thoughts on it. All right. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ding, ready. Ding, ding. All right. I watched Danger Close, The Battle of Lontan. Have not watched which it. Which I know you were keen to watch it. Was keen to watch it. Right. We talked about... I think we talked about it on the show, how like frustrated we were that it... Wasn't pulling the pulling the dosh. I think it it was like thirty five million dollar budget and made like one million back. Yes, it was old, not even. I, it was not a great return. <laughs> yes, I think it was from the guy who did the other Red Dog films, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. But um, so a bit of a bit of a Australian legend, I suppose. I don't know. Um, but for those who don't know, it's about the Battle of Lantang in I think Vietnam. And it's about sort of the Australian New Zealand sort of underprepared soldiers coming in and getting mm. ambushed. By many in numbers, and I thought it was good. I thought it was good to okay. Like it was a very well made war film. Like the production value and the, yes. the the sound of the guns and stuff. Like all that stuff's great, but there wasn't really any character. So I just I kind of just I watched it and then I kind of walked away. It was that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, just got nothing out of it. Yeah, exactly. No, uh, like I said, it's it's beautifully thematic and violent. But uh, I don't know. It just it felt more like a, a retelling of the film or the the events mm. of the film, and I was like, okay, I I guess I know about it now. It's like Dunkirk, but even less character than Dunkirk, which is one of its flaws. That's a shame. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. I I still recommend you want to watch. It. If you want to watch it, Fun Time War. I don't know. Go for it. Well, it, not know. often we get to see a Australian film thrown with that, that much, much money. money in, absolutely. So. That was the joy of it, actually, really. It was mm. like, wow, this they're using this money. That's awesome. Yeah. But yeah. Another Australian film I watched was The Naked Wanderer. How did you feel? Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't very keen on it. Because I, I heard some not some great things early, and I was a bit like, oh, it'll be fun. Just... And oh, it was... Look, it shot nice, but mm-hmm. I just... I wasn't really... I think the writing could have been way smarter. You know, there was very clear themes between several different characters of ulterior motives that mm-hmm. it did kind of nothing with. Instead, it's just like, oh, here's a guy who's traveling WA 
mostly nude, and the logline tells you it's to win his ex-girlfriend back. But by the logic of the films, and by the way the scenes uh, demonstrated to you, has nothing to do with his ex-girlfriend. He literally wakes up from a dream of a bunch of random hot girls flirting with him, and he's like, I'm going to do this walk. So by the logic of the film, he's just horny. <laughs> That's so weird. It's so weird. And then the ex-girlfriend's just, oh, she's a horrible person. Like, mm-hmm. she gets him fired from his his job, even though it kind of has nothing really to do with her. Like, just, like, yeah, she's just horrible like a, for no real reason. Yeah, like, like he goes to propose to her, and she's like, oh, no, I, w- I wanted to break up, actually. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to work the next day, and the boss is like, yeah, so, you know, you were dating my daughter, and, uh, you know, you should probably be fired because you guys broke up. And he's like, what? Like, just stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, I don't know, like, people are being dicks, but then I'm not buying it, yeah. you know? And he's got his roommate, best friend, who's also a dick. And doesn't do one nice thing for him the whole film, and he's still like his friend. So it sounds kind of like hot mess of. Yeah, it was no... just, yeah, it was just a lot of like lazily explored ideas, and it was a shame because it was like, ah, uh, I don't know, it had potential, I suppose. Uh, I don't know. It just it felt very muddled. I don't know. The <laughs> my fault going out as well. It just felt like it was directed by a really, really young director who doesn't really have a clear grasp, and yeah, then I found it. out that the director's actually a very old man <laughs> who doesn't have a grasp on, on story. That sounds like the West Australian film industry. <laughs> hey, uh, It's a shame, but yeah, that was that. Was that. All right, well, Bounce of Music. Um, yeah, so I managed to catch, and I think I talked to you about this, uh, The Highwayman, um, which no. was a... Okay, um, it was a film that was released through Netflix. It was Netflix exclusive. Uh, Kevin Costner and Woody Harrelson, who play two Texas Rangers who are hunting down Bonnie and Clyde. You have not told me about this at all. Oh, okay. I don't know anything about this movie. Well, um, it was the biggest pile of meh you could find. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I don't know. I mean, like a lot of it's more the anticipation and the legend of Bonnie and Clyde and mm. not actually exclusively them. And I don't know. It just felt like a bit of a... It felt like... I mean, I like seeing Kevin Costner and things and... I found that this was a pretty recurring pattern with a lot of films I watched this week. I didn't get a lot of substance in a lot of the things I watched. Gotcha. Unfortunately. Um, and that was a real shame because I got nothing out of this film. It was two and a half hours and it just didn't do anything, really. Did it feel like a historical retelling of like just... Yeah, it felt like we needed to find a time period piece film and this was the one that right. was next on the list and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, their performances are fine, but you know, board. you know, both of these guys—they're Oscar-nominated. I think even have won one. So, well, at least Kevin Costner might have. Um, I don't think Woody Harrelson's won anything. No, no, yeah, he's been nominated definitely, yeah. but it's like, so like them being fine is just not good enough. As we'll sure we'll talk about how solid the performances later on in the show were oh. with the film that we watched this little, week. Little tease. But I watched that and I watched a lot of really bad films, but I want to throw it back to you before I go into the, right, the really right. bad territory. Well, all right. My last two set were that had a commonality in being Australian films. So I'm going to pick two films that very juxtapose each other from a budget standpoint. So I watched Titanic for the first time ever in the last week. Really? Yeah. Never seen it before. How did you feel? I was like, this is pretty good. Yeah. I thought it was re- really well made. Like, I mean, it's, it's pretty incredible, the, the set itself. Oh, my God, it's incredible. Yeah. Like, you can tell, you can tell there's some tangi- tangible things mm-hmm. in that. In, oh, man. 
I really liked and I thought the love story was like, yeah, this the thing is like I knew a lot of the beats already. It's like I know about the painting or the, the drawing he does rather. I mm-hmm. know how what happens at the end, you know, like I know a lot of these beats already, obviously, but You know what happened to the Titanic? Did someone spoil that for you? Uh someone did spoil that for me. Yeah. You know, I thought that they actually got to the end and they got married. <laughs> That's how I thought the Titanic ended. You imagine if like, they completely subverted from... <laughs> the expectation and actually ended it like that. Well, that's a Rick and Morty episode, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah it and is. It's like, oh, it didn't sink. i actually been caught up on Rick and Morty, and it's still... Like, the episodes are fine, but I think they made a big mistake buying how it. How so? No, adults... Like, th- oh. those episodes are not... Like, I don't know. It's a lot of money in a lot of episodes. They were like, make mm-hmm. this many Rick and Morty episodes for us. And I'm, I'm just, I'm concerned. And they've just, yeah. I but, think they've, they've taken the, taken the money and are ready to draw it out as long as possible. Oh, geez. It's, it's, it's tragic. But to, to go back to Titanic, um, I was, I really liked this film and was it like, it's three hours and seven minutes. Mm-hmm. Felt, yeah. I was like, yeah, this is fair enough. I'm, I'm buying to it. Ever since Irishman, I have a higher tolerance for film lengths now. Yeah. Which yeah. is really nice, actually. No, that's good. But um, do you know the statistic just came out? Only 18% of people have watched Irishman all the way through on Netflix. That's terrible. That's not even that surprising, to be honest. I just... I, I don't know. I've had a lot of people giving it a lot of flack, too. And I oh, cannot why? get my head around it. I, I don't know. Most people, they're, they're just... I think it's a mixture of not being a fan of the, uh, the length or... Oh, boo-hoo. And I don't, I cannot tell you why. I mean, I've seen Scorsese films that have been long, but felt longer than the Irishman. Right, right. Like Gangs of New York, I just never was a big fan of. I still haven't seen it. Uh, It's a period piece as well. It makes it a little harder. I guess, I guess technically Irishman's period piece. I just couldn't get my head around it. Mm. It was, it was a bit of a meh showing for Scorsese. Right. And I've, I speak very highly of him, so it's like... Oh, he's incredible. I, we loved The Irishman, so, you know. Yeah. So suck on an internet, you well, and your de-aging shit. Here we go. Hope you're ready for this. Oh, no. What did you watch? So, uh, as the audience might know, I do like having uh, mates over and watching bad movies with them. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> And we watched Jack and Jill. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we were just talking about the Irishman. My God. I feel... What happened to Al Pacino? Pacino, How do you do that, right? Al Pacino. Have you seen it? We watched it in high school. (laughs) We went to the theatre. No. As as eighth graders. We went to the theater to watch Jack and Jill. Me and my mate had the best time. Well, we played a pretty good rule. Like every time Adam Sandler thought he was being funny, we'd drink. Oh, so we drank. How are you still alive? Nine. Why are you still here? We were. Uh, uh, yeah, he won an award for Uncut Gems. Really? Yeah, like the award seasons just started. I, I don't. I remember which one. It was like one of the first. It's not the Critics' Choice Award. Mm. It was one of them. But he won Best Actor for oh, Uncut Gems. Good. I was like, damn, this is gonna be good. Yeah, I have good. no clue when that comes out. I mean, like that, that, that vibe that that's, yeah. that's pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, that. I, I I did not care for it though. Obviously, oh. I hated it from start. So, to have finish. you never seen it before? No. Whoa! And it was like I've seen it a few times. <laughs> so I watched that, and we watched. Oh, it was just terrible. I just I watched those movies, and I think to myself, I'm just like, how did how did that get made? But uh, I know why it got made, and yeah. it still probably made money. So probably. You Let's, know what? Let's fact check that right now. It just it breaks I'm gonna, my heart I'm gonna look sometimes. It up. I'm but, gonna Google Jack and Jill. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
sue on the retailer. It's just embarrassing, right? It's just, and I actually, I, I, and we've talked about it a little bit. I did revisit Anchorman and Anchorman Two this week. Oh yeah, because we were watching the bloopers at mine the other week. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> I don't know about you, Jake, but that second movie is so funny. I need to rewatch it because I remember it being really bad. <laughs> it still makes me laugh, but mm. that's pretty much all I watched this week. It was a bit of a. That's it fair. wasn't a strong award season week for me in film, as oh, per that's se. Fair. Well, I, I guess not for me. Well, for me, not a current award season. Let's say that. No. Titan. Uh, Titanfall. Jesus Christ! This is the second time on the show I've like called something Titanfall. <laughs> Uh, Titanic definitely won some awards back in the day, not yes. necessarily this week. Um, so to clarify on Jack and Jill, the film was released on November 11th, 2011 by Columbia Pictures and grossed $149 million against its $79 million budget. So it made money. It made a lot of money. <laughs> um, all right, well, again, I'll run through some of the other stuff. So to compare to Titanic on a budget standpoint, I also watched Clerks for the first time. Oh, did you like it? I really liked it. Good movie. That was very clever, actually. Yeah, it's a bit of fun. I think I I wouldn't go too far, but I I had a lot of fun with it. I think it's because I haven't seen a lot of Kevin Smith stuff, but I he tried to get this like weed dispensary show up and running, like a web series a while back, and I watched mm-hmm. the pilot or whatever it was for that, and I could not care for. I was like, oh, this is such a lazy comedy, blah blah mm-hmm. blah. I feel uh, this is his feature debut, so it's a little yes. different. But uh, I thought he was like perfectly fine tuned to humor. Where yeah. it was so, I mean, it's a great concept, you know. It's like clerks mm-hmm. and the days that the, the the shit they have to deal with on a daily basis, and it's just that you know you have to go on the floor grabbing all the the eggs trying to pick the best egg cut. It's like I just love this shit. It's so clever. I, mean, I really liked it. Yeah. I, I watched that earlier this year and for the first time, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I haven't seen Clerks two. So. I've heard Clerks two is amazing. I, I've had people tell me it's way better than the first, which is shocking to me. Which is funny because it's only got a 63% oh. on Rotten Tomatoes and a 65% Metacritic score, whereas Clerks 1 has a 70% Metacritic and 88 Rotten Tomatoes. Damn. So, but they are just reviews. This it's, is all yeah. an objective experience. Well, I mean, this is such the perfect um, like cult uh, film. IMDb is very even on both scores. Okay. So, well, there you go. I'm curious to watch the second one. Mm-hmm. I probably will rent it out. Um, just because everyone was like, you have to watch the second one, but you got to get for the first one first, obviously. I it was, it was really interesting because I, when I was watching it, Clerks, I was like, this kind of reminds me of Do the Right Thing in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and it's very much similar in the sense that this is a, a time capsule of of the youth culture of that time. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting I mentioned that because I I went to look it up afterwards, and there was an alternate ending that Kevin Smith wanted to do where the main dude, or I think it's Dante, he dies. Which oh, I actually really, really like that idea of like the, the the clerk lifestyle literally killing him, and they cut it. And he said that that ending was meant to be uh, his do the right thing ending, where it, it's a fun yeah. film but it kind of ends on a really dark note. Yeah. And I was like, that's bloody clever. And of course, yeah. they didn't go with that ending. I'm not really sure which ending I prefer at this point. I don't think they shot it. I haven't yeah. seen it. Could but... have been just a conceptual thing. Yeah, I think so. But I like the ending. I like the ending too, but I kind of like the idea of them taking it that step further and literally killing him. Yeah. Is he in Clerks 2 though? Is that yes. the thing? Okay, well, there you go. Maybe it was all for the best. But yeah, another black and white film I watched was called Pi. Now, have you seen a film called Pi, Zig? No. So this is Darren Aronofsky's first film. Okay. And it's as weird as you can imagine. 
uh, mm. indie Darren Aronofsky film being. So it's in, uh, I wrote this down, it's in high contrast, where is it? I don't know. It's in basically high contrast black and white 16 millimeter. Mm-hmm. So it looks very, well, it's in black and white, but like the whites are super highlighted. So sometimes you can't even see the outlines between like his head and the roof, like in certain shots. And it just creates this really interesting look, which at first was like, this is cool because it feels very, I don't want to say old fashioned, but the look is very rough compared to the like the soundtrack and the editing, which mm-hmm. is very quick and nice and clean. So I thought it was really cool. And it's about this dude who's a mathematician and he's trying to sort of, to be honest, I still can't really explain it. He's trying to find like the the perfect number or a way to break into the 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 stock market, I suppose. Oh, okay. but it's all about numbers and all the stuff. And the guy plays Hector from Breaking Bad's in it. I'm forgetting his name. Um, geez, why I'm forgetting his name? But he's great in it. He's just got like a small role for some reason. Mm-hmm. I, but yeah, just, I thought it was interesting. What were we gonna say? Oh, I just I'm just listening to your uh, review on Pi because I've never heard of it. Before. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, well, I never heard of it too. It was one of those... I'm, I'm at that point with Fanbase where because I'm getting weekly films, it's gone to the point where I don't know what to get. So That's, I, the, best, that's the best thing. Though. Yeah, exactly. So now now I have my friend Nat actually come in and be like, here you go, here you go, here you go. Give me like all these DVDs that she wants me to try and kind of... That's pretty cool. So it is really cool because now I'm watching Pi and random shit like that. And yeah, I mean, I, I kind of liked it. I figured I was... Like really, you know what? Tonally, you know what? It's a it's Christopher Nolan's early work. That's what it's like. It's like oh, Doodlebug. Okay. It literally feels like Doodlebug the whole film. Oh, okay. But when you do it for ninety minutes, it gets a little taxing, I suppose. Yeah, but it, uh, I mean, it it sounds interesting. Like you've definitely got me intrigued, especially after the week that I've been watching. <laughs> I'm ready to watch it's anything. An interesting that has... week. Yeah, I. You know what? I'll get you to watch it. It's it's probably like on YouTube for free or something because it's like ninety eight or something like that. But it's obviously like a very small budgeted film and whatnot. But yeah, and you know what's funny in the game? The um, I, I'm just gonna call him Hector because I get Hector and then the main mm-hmm. dude. They are actually playing Go, which is the same game they played in Knives Out in our last week episode before. Oh yeah, with before the, the guy dies. Yeah, the, the little black and white finny majiggies. It looks cool. Yeah, I I don't know what it is, but it does look cool. But I think that it stood out in the black and white high contrast. Mm. So that's I think that's why they picked it. Um, a couple of other things I caught. I finally caught The Road, which is obviously based on the book. Big old depressing movie. Yeah. So you've seen it? No. I've got the book and I've got the movie and I haven't watched or read either. Oh, damn. Well, read, read the book because the book's incredible. And the movie's fine. It's, okay. it's similar to like the Sisters Brothers where I was like, I, I dig a lot of what's going on, but I just don't really care about yeah, just what's going on. Yeah, okay. Like Viggo Mortensen is like amazing in it, like unrecognizable in I mean, this film. That's, but, that's Viggo Mortensen. I, that's I know, does. but like I've seen obviously a lot Green of people Book. Be, a lot of people have been giving him flack for that or like like in years, like the more recent years. What do you mean? Because he, he gets super method with oh, it. Oh, is that to true? To the point where he pulls a little bit of a Shia LaBeouf. Oh, no. I didn't know that. To, you know, you know, like Jared Leto. You sort of, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's... Getting a bit too far. Yeah, I've never liked Jared Leto all that much. But now that the road, it's I. I was always wondering whether I would like the movie as much as the book, and mm-hmm. the answer is no. I do not. The movie's fine, but again, I, you're right. I got nothing out of it. It's just that kind of season. The book's not that long, is it? No, it's a very, very small book. You can easily read it in a day. I have it. I have it sitting on my shelf. Yeah, I'd say if you have a day off this week, read it. It's phenomenal. And that's the thing. The movie doesn't do this, but the book does. The book uses its language, the physical language you're reading, to tell stories. Like there's no, there's no um quotation marks. So all the dialogue, quote unquote, 
is just mixed in with the rest of the text in the book. Oh, okay. And it's really fascinating. And the movie doesn't really do anything to distinguish itself in the way that the book distinguishes itself like that. Interesting. interesting. So um, definitely read the book. If you, uh, yeah, oh, I feel like I said read the movie. But the movie's fine. It's it's fine. And last one, and I think you... I don't know if you've seen this or not. Okay. So I know Jack and Damo and stuff have been really raving, so I finally watched Upgrade. Yeah. To show yeah, so I, I watched it with Jack. Ah, well, there you go. I dug it. It's pretty good. It's a bit of fun. Yeah, it's a bit of fun. So was... a lot of these movies you've watched this week, I've actually watched this year. Like, I've ah, only there watched you go. I'm catching up on everything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, I I think I talked about Upgrade maybe on an episode Jack was on very early on. but Probably, yeah. I really like what they did with the... When he gets up with the camera. Oh, the camera zoom. The ca- It's actually very clever because the camera obviously moves very differently in mm. the stabilization stuff. And even his actual physical movement, like his yeah. posture change. I'm like, that's really cool. Like, it's a fine movie. Things, yeah. It's got a bit of a weak ending, some strange over-the-top characters for no real reason. But Oh, right, with the villain character sort of thing? Or... Yeah. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I hated the, um, the millionaire young playboy dude. Yeah. I thought he sucked. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> the ending was really weird, too. Yeah, I thought he woke up in a dream and was like, I hate you. And then it turns out he didn't. I was like, eh, I hate you a little less. Yeah. But it was weird. Yeah. I didn't like the ending. I think I appreciate it because it was, again, a Melbourne thing. Yeah. So that was cool. Yeah. And you know what I found as well? You know how they have the freeway chase in it? Mm-hmm. They actually had to shoot it on the wrong side of the freeway because I guess they're trying to simulate like an American city. Yeah, well, with the accents and all that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was like, that's kind of cool. That's a little trivia right there. I don't get that, though. Why, why would you try and Americanize it? But whatever. It must have been like like the, it was American, but they got a cheaper budget over here. Mm. I don't know. It was some some bullshit. But um, no, I actually really enjoyed the film. And I, and I, I thought the sci-fi was cleverly restrained in it. Yeah. In yeah, a it was, sense. It was whereas, fine. Yeah. It was fine. Well, I mean, I, I feel like I've... I, what was the budget? It wasn't like $3 million, if I recall. Uh, I don't remember. You're right. It wasn't huge. I remember being surprised when I read it. Mm. I was like, wow. Because like some of the wides of the cities and the, the landscapes, and I'm like, that's really cool. The car stuff's cool. Like, yeah, yeah. The, the self-driving car. car. Yeah. The bloody the Jarvis voice in his head. That was, yeah. a, great, that was a great voice. Like, a good dynamic. Performance, yeah. Yeah. No, nice. that's cool. Well, well that's it for the week for me. It was a pretty busy week for pretty, you. Well, yeah, I mean, you've had a, <laughs> I had a, you've had a busy week, week, but not in the right way. Oh, no. Um, and I think I need to start recording what I write what more down because... You've got to get your letterbox. I, I have it. I just I don't know, use but, it. Like, I'll, I'll teach you, Zeke. <laughs> teach, yeah. I teach an old man. I use the little app. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we can move into more career. Do you have any career things you'd like to add? Yeah, well, I mean... Might as well mention. Obviously, we had our screenings on Wednesday, so if you yes. if you came to that, thank you for coming for the supporting the local artists and seeing our films and whatnot. Um, if you go on Clicker, I actually upload a little photo gallery from the Hitched oh, production. Really? So I took some photos while I was working on it with you guys. So if you go on Facebook, um, I think there's like 28 photos. I heard our movie poster was very pixelated. What do you mean pixelated? Because it was like it was like an A. Because they didn't tell us what size they were printing up posters. Oh, no, right. So I think we They're submitted big. an A1, prints. and I think it was A0. Oh, jeez. So it looked quite pixely. I, I didn't see it myself. But. Right. I don't know how... I mean, I saw, I saw mine physically, because I actually delivered it to our actor, Lee Thomas. Then the following day, I actually delivered him a poster, because he wanted one. Oh, cool. Um, it, it was a shame, because like, I, I had to put it together real quick, the poster, but uh, people, you know, people like this. That's good. 
Yeah. I vibed it. Um, I, I don't remember what the print... The thing is, I'm good with posters because I obviously put so much effort into the the proper formatting for the disconnected poster. Mm-hmm. So now when I go to do posters, the formatting and the size and everything is like all set. So it's always like really, really high quality. Yeah. So well, I can't really go wrong anymore with I posters, mean, at least. Yeah. That technical like I said, side. I never saw it. I just heard about it. Oh, okay. But I no. mean, I saw it. I saw it. It looked fine. The prints on the wall. Oh, okay. Because, well, yeah. well, yeah, the film is screened and uh, yeah. And we're finished uni. And that's it. Congratulations, sir. Yeah, let's do it. Oh, we did it. All right, we now we're it. alumni. We're, alum- we're alumni, so we're actually trespassing right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we actually walked in the today's studio. We're like, oh, we let in. Yes, let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll, so, see. Yeah. we'll see how many weeks before the, the sound quality dips a bit <laughs> and see if people notice. Well, I guess we might as well. Uh, if that's all you have to add, we might as yeah. well move into our film of the week. Sweet, delicious. So, Jake, what are we watching? This week, we're watching Marriage Story. I realized I didn't ever really come alive for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. I'll never get to really be his parent again. He needs to know that I fought for him. A stage director and his actor wife struggle with a grueling coast-to-coast divorce that pushes them to their personal and creative extremes. Oh man. Heavy. I don't sure I agree with this. What, the logline? Yeah, I mean... Particularly the the personal extremes, I agree with, but creatively, I don't know how I. I mean, okay. It does. So uh, okay, well, we can talk about it. We will talk about it in, in spoilers, I suppose. Yeah, I guess. Um, it's a little bit. So this film was directed by Noah Bombach. Aha! Uh-huh. Yes. I hope I'm saying that right. I apologize. I think that that's how I pronounced it last week. I think. Um, it sounds like it. Oh, this bloke also directed Madagascar Three. I'm pretty sure. Oh wait, really? Yeah. That's what I got told last night by uh, Sarah, who was watching this film. Oh, actually, sorry. It was her last night, but my morning. Were you watching it simultaneously? No, we watched it consecutively, though. So I watched it. (laughs) That's that's cute. So just, yeah, we've we've actually talked about it. We've actually, like, tried to do some research into, like, streaming programs that you can stream in sync. Yep, yep, yep. Um, There are things to do then, pretty sure. Sorry, sorry, audience. Uh... As we know, Sarah's my she's my girlfriend, and she lives Aww. in the states, Aww. so it makes it very hard Aww. to watch movies together now. Aww. But um, yeah, no, she watched this film today, out today, her yesterday. Um, too much math. Too much math. To watch Pi again. Um, <laughs> and she really liked it, um, and I also really liked this film. But she also said that he directed uh, Madagascar Three, and I'm checking that. That might right. be like a produced thing. I don't. I don't want to call Sarah a liar. <laughs> you know, he wrote the he wrote the screenplay for Barbie that's been announced. Apparently, oh, the new one coming out with Margot Robbie. That's that's really interesting considering he just did this. Maybe Barbie's going to be like a huge hit, like it's going to win a bunch of Oscars. I don't know. Well, I watched I watched this film a couple of weeks back at Backlot. I think I had like one screening that I caught uh, with my friend Perry, and we both really really liked this film too. Um, so I did rewatch chunks of it yesterday to prep for this show, but, uh, if you want to hear some of my immediate thoughts, I think it was episode 45, it was one we did with Danny, where it was about 21 minutes in, mm-hmm. I talked a bit about my initial impressions on the film, and it'll be good to dive in a little deeper now, now that you've seen it as well. 
And yeah, uh, yeah. I think you have a fairly positive vibe on it. Definitely, definitely. Um, this definitely is akin or in the same school of thought as Private Life. I know you brought that up mm. last week on the show. Trying to convince you to watch it. Um, and <laughs> I can agree with you. Do it? Did I enjoy it? As I was straight up, did I enjoy it as much as Private Life? No. Ooh, um, yeah. And I will delve into why. Um, just on the fact checking, from what I can see, he didn't direct. Madagascar 3, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, um, good talking to, to The Sarah. Squid and the Whale <laughs> was the other one I noticed from this, and De Palma, which was a documentary on, on Brian De Palma. We did, like, the Meyerwitz stories, didn't we? And the Meyerwitz stories, nice. which I've been meaning to watch for, like, a year now and just mm. haven't brought myself to watching it. One day. I, well, I like I the idea of, ser- like, a serious Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller film. I, I'm not opposed to that. Could be so, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this film. Um, this was kind of funny given the two leads, uh, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, mm. and both of which for the last at least three to four years have been pretty enveloped in their franchise movies. Big, big franchise, yeah. Um, so to have an $18 million budget film starring these two, and honestly, a really strong secondary cast... Like ensemble yeah, cast, yeah, yeah, definitely. With uh, like Ray Lolita, I think it's Leota, sorry, Leota, and um, Laura, Dern, Laura Dern, which is really good in this. Who actually finally got, <laughs> got some? She got a very strong woman. After forty-seven episodes, we found Laura Dern in a good role. Yeah, um, <laughs> she's been blessed. <laughs> so really, like, yeah, really strong cast. So and uh, Wallace Shawn gets a little mini yeah. role. I I really like. Uh, he'll always be the guy who gets his ass thrown through walls in Incredibles. <laughs> His voice is amazing. Yeah. No, but you're right. They're great cast, like, all around. It's such a weird... It's an actor's film. It is such an actor's film. Yeah, and I think um, I think you brought this up, mm. I don't know, last week on the show with Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson in their interviews. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And how they're sort of... You could tell they're fatigued by their franchises. Oh, absolutely. But are more than willing and very happy to talk about these sort of films. Well, that's the thing, because I think it was like an Oscar-type discussion, like, to prep for it. And it was Scarlett Johansson, Chris Evans, who, well, now on this show, we've seen both the films that they each yeah, star in. Out so, and marriage story. Yeah, so that's the, those are the films they're promoting. And yeah, that was the vibe I caught when I was watching them. They would both reflect on, you know, they would just call it the Marvel stuff. And, you yeah. know, and there was not really a lot of enthusiasm. And I can't blame him for that because. Yeah. And I don't think I've seen anything with Adam Driver in that same realm, but. Right. I've, I've seen him in I, that comedy with, with Daniel Radcliffe. I was about, to, but admittedly, I've also seen Adam Driver in a lot smaller stuff while he's been doing Star Wars. Oh yeah, Black Klansman, right? And Logan Lucky, right? You know what? I'm ready. I'm going to watch that tomorrow. Oh, you I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good movie. Um, so he's he's done his he's done smaller stuff in the the mm. interim, whereas uh, I really think yeah, Chris Evans and Scarlett Johansson haven't at all. Like I can't think of many things she's done. Like, she, I mean, she did her. Yeah. That, that her might best have been performance the, like, ever. <laughs> Boom. Don't even see her. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This one's up there. This one's... Oh, she's brilliant in this, this, though, this yeah. But I think, and... Okay, so I don't want to delve... I don't know how long we're going to hold off on spoilers for this conversation. Because um, it's yeah. sort of a... The, the thing with this film is a lot of the stuff is so character-driven, yeah, so that means story-driven. It's a lot of the interpersonal stuff that happens. Yeah, You're right. I mean, f- in the long and the short of it, the basis of this film is it opens with 
two characters giving respective perspectives on the other person. Yeah, the things they like about each, each other. other. Mm. And then this immediately cuts to a counselling session in which both of them are supposed to read out what they just, we as the audience mm. heard, yeah. um, to each other in a context of separation. And then, so basically <sighs> so we good. get set the preference that these two are getting divorced, even though for the first 10 minutes of the film... We hear nothing but positive things mm. they have to say about each other. It's really clever. Very clever. And something that... Jeez, I'm spurped. Go on. <laughs> Lair, something you just do not expect. Like, I mean, it, this film, it, it for some reason, is being marketed as a drama comedy, which... Yeah, I, this is I, not a comedy, I would I'd say. I find myself laughing maybe more than once. Uh, this is a, just a drama. This is a straight drama. It's probably think, a drama romance. I actually would put this still in a romance context. A romantic yeah, in drama. A sense. A rom- yeah, definitely. Because like, like the Titanic. <laughs> essentially, yeah. yeah. Maybe a tr- tragedy romance drama. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, uh, so I suppose there's definitely one scene that I'll talk about later that encapsulates the comedy and the drama yeah. in the most horrifying balance ever. Yeah. Um, but we'll get to that. So I, I I really like this film and I really think both these two should get nods for their performances. If yeah. I was to lean to a stronger one of the two, gonna I'm, say it's Adam Driver. I'm, I agree. It's I gonna Adam, say it's Adam, Adam Driver. One guy, man. Um but that's not to say that's two very strong and honestly I think Laura Dern might even push for a supporting for this one. I, I think she will. I mean, I haven't watched, like, there's a lot of stuff like Little Women and Judy and Punch. Like, there's a lot of stuff yeah. like that where I think a lot of the nominations come from that. But from what I've seen, Laura Dern's, like, a lock yeah. for best supporting. I mean, I I think even, like, uh, you know, Ray Liotta in his, his mm. counter role. Right, right. Although he's not in it as much as Laura Dern, he's very good. In- it's definitely a less flashy role. His part of it but it is equally very like layered in particularly in a certain scene where both of them are bouncing off each other and right, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. perfect i i don't i don't know how long i can hold off uh, so do you have anything to add before? uh before we jump into spoilers i mean i definitely recommend this film it's on netflix it's not very hard to find um it is so sharp and that was what i noticed re-watching but parts of it yesterday it's mm-hmm. like the editing is so sharp the direction is insane and and to keep to put that all off is the fact that they've come out and like, nope, no improvisation whatsoever. All of the verbal hiccups and all of the ums and ahs and every mm-hmm. little detail in their dialogue is like word perfect from the script. Really? Which, uh, yeah, and apparently like there's a lot of takes because Noah okay. Bombach like wants he's kind of he's kind of the David Finch almost in that sense where he just yeah, wants the just... perfect take. And, and uh, yeah, mixing between that Wes Anderson, uh, yeah, in a way, micromanagement, like, the fluidity of that, which is. Kind of crazy because this film feels unashamedly grounded and not constructed. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So well, I think it- you asked me the week or two ago to compare it to a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, I think he did. Yeah, and then we said that. Well, like it's very much in the opposite direction of style, but there's a similar fluidity yeah. and concentration that's going on here because it makes it out that everything and particularly there are a lot of long like just on a general there are a lot of long takes mm. in this film there are really long sequences of just character monologues really and they're solely based on um, one character's perception of this whole divorce mm. from um, Scarlett Hansen's 
first confession of her relationship yeah. with Adam Driver. That's what I was thinking of to Laura the Dern. Shot, yeah. But then even like like I said, like the Laura Dern back and forth with Leota in mm. the courtroom, and then Adam Driver has a, f- a few sequences oh in the God. latter stages of oh the film, which are just one one takes, and to have to to know that every like pause or stumble or like very is calculated, yeah, exactly. Then that's pretty crazy. Oh, it's 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 yeah. It the more I rewatched, it, I was like, wow, this. Is, so that's, you, you said the word impressive last night, yeah, to me, and I was like, yeah, like. It is impressive. Yeah, I mean, it's, it comes back to, I mean, for the most part, uh, and I'm not disputing his previous works mm. aren't good, but I don't know many of them. I think I've heard of one of them out of, like, right. I think it's 13 or 14. Apparently, he directed Kicking and Screaming, oh, which, which is that. Not, I think that's the, the Will Ferrell one, I think that's it? the Will Ferrell one. That is the Will Ferrell one? one? I have to check it. Yeah, check that, because I'm curious, but um, I've definitely seen the Will Ferrell one. Which is interesting because I don't remember that. I mean, I was obviously very young when I saw that film, but I don't remember it being very, uh, you know, pitch perfect from a direction standpoint. So I'm kind of curious in that. But no, to your point, I don't want to say he's an unknown. You're right, but it's like he's not someone who's very well. He's not a household name, like his actors may be, for example. But I think there's definitely some really spot on craft. Oh, I've seen this film. Oh, okay. Which kicking and screaming? Is I it watched the this film? One? No, this no. is a. College base. I've watched this like two, three months ago. He wrote it oh. direct, and directed it. Well, what do you think of it? It's fine. It was, it was fine. A bit meh. Like it was very. Right. Yeah. It was a sort of. There was a there was a period in the mid nineties of like a lot of these self aware college satire films, and this one sort of fell in a meh glob. Okay. I think, for example, I mean, uh, this was also in that phase where I watched Everybody Wants Some, and then I went into the, right, so I like these young coming-of-age films. Yeah. So, yeah, it, I, that's so crazy. I watched that film and didn't even realise. <laughs> All right, well, one more thing I want to ask you before we jump into spoilers, because you're right, I still have a lot to tackle there. Yep. Um, I asked you a couple of weeks ago, I said, I'm very curious what you think about Randy Newman's soundtrack. Because I came out of it being like, oh, it's way too Randy Newman. It feels like Toy Story music over dramatic scenes. Mm-hmm. I was a little less like when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, no, I, I actually kind of like it a lot. The way it's used in the opening montage, for example, is very nice. It fits yeah. very nicely. What, what did you think of his music, rather? I really like the music in this. Mm. It, was, it was subtle enough. It didn't get in the way, but it also really bridged scenes together. Yeah. Well, it has uh, that classical feel to it. Yeah. Oh, but this film kind of felt classical, too. Mm. It almost felt, because of the fast dialogue, the powerful monologues, the weird sort of... Uh, and the reason we actually drew comparisons to Wes Anderson is mm. he's actually written, co-written a lot That's with right, Wes Anderson. That's right, like Fantastic Mr. Fox and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and uh, Life Aquatic. And nice. he actually did the screenplay for Madagascar 3. So we have to there withdraw my apology once again. To... No, I'm, I'm still calling your girlfriend a liar. <laughs> um, he wrote it. And yeah, he what didn't direct it though, but he wrote it, which I can't even remember how the third one's written, but okay. Oh, Madagascar. Uh, yeah. Isn't his dad Brian Cranston or something like that? But even the way that the, <laughs> the, the floating camera... Is right, like, yeah, it, yeah. It felt strange, like it's, but it's not like floating, like in a Wes Anderson film. It's tripod, sort of like track, back, track, back. Sort of like Roma when that tracks back. Way and more, forth. way more in the Curon, yeah, school of like that sort of. It almost feels like it's on a, just a tripod and it's just following the actions. Right. Well, I think again, that, it's that fly on the wall effect. Yeah, it's yeah. the fly on the wall effect, which is a very 
50s 40s 50s way of shooting because mm-hmm. obviously a lot of that was shot on stages and stuff like that so, yeah, so and they were the, kind of limited in they were point. limited but it, it does have a really good effect too because it becomes observatory mm. sort of private life does it too and yeah absolutely it's very comparable to private life i think yeah absolutely it's very domestic it's very and it's cool much, we've, we've caught these yeah. at both ends of the, the year yeah so we've had a lot of things in the middle but but uh, we got back there in the yeah. same school of it um, and while you talk about like the sets and stuff, I wanted to point out the costume design. Like I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, but like the mm-hmm. costume design is it weirdly stands out, which is weird because it's such a contemporary, you know, film. yeah, the, we get contemporary film, contemporary costumes, and everything. And every now and then you get like the Halloween stuff. That was a nice flashy. I, I think it for comes them, back but, to yeah. both these characters are very distinguishable in their traits. I think um, Adam Driver's attire, especially, mm. is. Whatever he wear, like he he always seems to wear, like he actually wore a very similar costume in Patterson, which oh, is okay, a I film seen, I watched way earlier. It was a Jim Jarmusch film hmm. um, that Jesse recommended to me, and um, sort of very similar, sort of conservative attire, um, but it makes him distinguishable and stand out too. Right, and she, and Scarlett Johansson is very flashy as well. Yeah, and herself. she's always in relatively brighter colors mm. and even just her hairstyle yeah it gets shorter back, and brighter and everything well it comes yeah. back to it's a very masculine hairstyle too mm. which is not very conventional for a hollywood film so having that sort of more masculine hairstyle i mean it's something we got noted about when we did cradle with my sister is the way she looked right yeah. makes her stand out more because of the way that Hair's a bit shorter and well, it, it makes almost, her... It was almost against that trope. I don't want to talk about Cradle too much, but it's yeah. like her look doesn't necessarily speak like a 17 pregnant or 17-year-old pregnant girl. Especially when it contrasts, uh, like in Marriage Story with Scarlett Hansen, mm-hmm. how her earlier character was the chick in the movie that shows off her boobs. Yeah, and that's what she's the, sort the of known movie. for. Yeah. And she's got long blonde hair, so she's a long, dumb blonde. Right. Whereas... We really only see her in the present day sense. Yeah, the There's mother another... version of herself. Yeah, and the the sharper version, the person who jumps straight back into the Hollywood system seamlessly and mm. and lands on her feet quite easily and just adapts. It's like the scene. There's a scene early when she's getting the. It's like the photo shoot or screen test for her, and she's getting the mask put on her. But even, like, what she's wearing there is, like, very muddly dress sort of thing. But then her reaction to, like, the executives, and they're all going... You know, it's the typical executives. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. But, like, her reaction to that, where there's there's a reaction to it, she speaks back. She's like, hey, I wouldn't hold a baby... Or no mother would hold a baby like this. Yeah. But she's also still quite... She's Calm not, yeah. and reasonable. Yeah, exactly. It's not reasonable. prima donna. Yeah. Yeah. So she's, you kind of buy into that, okay, well, she's holding her own. Nor is she being but ignored. She's not, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so agree. it's a very perfect balance. Yeah, and I think this is a, the sort of... I mean, it comes back to the opening monologues about each other and how he, he, she refers to him as the one that she often vents to. She's the mm. one who has the emotional episodes. And though she doesn't let him know this, which, honestly, the f- film shows way more emotional, psychological and emotional damage with the character of, of, of Adam Driver throughout mm-hmm. this film um, as he's getting more and more uh, stretched apart by this divorce. Yeah. As, you know, she's she's brought in, um, you know, the lawyers and, and he's had to kind of 
he's definitely he's more reacting along to for what the, she's done. It's very reactionary, yeah. whereas she's often taking the initiative, and that is interesting because it's sort of a reverse of well, it's a subversion of expectation. Whereas mm-hmm. she's like she's the she like she we're not speaking. She doesn't love him, but. She knows that she's this... the one putting her foot down in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we find out in the very early on. I mean, are, are we ready to move into? Yeah, let's spoiler? do spoilers. Watch this bloody movie because it is really fantastic, yeah. and then continue to listen to us. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we're going into spoilers now, baby. Oh, yeah. here we go. I <laughs> think I think what I like about this film the most, Jake, is how we get information as the characters say it to each other. Mm. Um, so we discover very early on that. Scarlett Johansson suspects of the an affair, an affair yeah. that he's had. Now we get that bits of a bit of information because honestly, the for the most part, I don't. I, I really struggle with the acts of this film too because okay. of because of the changing perspective. Right, it makes it a little harder. I guess the end of the first act ends where she's brought Laura Dern in, and then it's like he needs to get a lawyer. Or it could be when he discovers the letter. And he realizes that this is now going to be a legal oh, yeah. thing. I think that might be. It's probably a more clear, yeah, clear yeah. defense. That literally just came to my head. Then I'm That's... not. I'm not that smart. Don't oh, worry. Okay, <laughs> um, but yeah, she suspects it, but then invades his private. So we first thing, right, first bit right, of information yeah. we get is he's a cheater. Yeah, he seems to be very arrogant and caught in his work. So we want to take more sympathize with Scarlett Johansson's yeah plight as a character, and. Um, you know, I really should use their names because it's it's. Uh, I had their names here a second ago, and I bloody deleted it. It's okay. I think it's Charlie and it's Charlie and. Oh Jesus! I know this. I could just hit Control Z several times. <laughs> uh, Nicole, Charlie, Nicole. And Nicole. So yeah, like we want to sympathize with like Nicole's plight, but then as we discover, uh, they haven't been sleeping in the same bed together for a year. Mm. Um. He's obviously felt very isolated from the relationship. He feels like he's been sort of the the, the bread getter for for the most part of the last ten years. Mm. Um, he doesn't want to move to LA. He sort she of, does. She does. There's a lot of division there. And she went from being, like we said, that chick in that film that she had a bit of fame behind her, and he was. As we discovered, this just this kind of student theater person at the time. Yeah. So well, she would, was yeah. famous, but he kind of outgrew her in fame, and he's now won this MacArthur Grant, which is a very prestigious grant you can win. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taken his show, even though she wants to claim some sort of ownership because he's directing it now, and people mm-hmm. know him as the director and her as the actress. So it's kind of that, like, oh, which sort of hierarchy is applying here? Mm-hmm. So, and we often yeah. naturally assume the director has a hierarchy higher place over the actor yeah. because because the actor's the puppet yes the director's the genius so yes it's kind of this... and, then, and then he's constantly referred to as a genius so yeah there's a real like interesting dynamic because she's invading his space he doesn't see what he did as cheating which mm. it is it is cheating yeah but it's sort of that like he tries to justify it by saying that well you didn't really want a bit of me and it really, it just stews. It's so realistic, though. Oh, well, I think that's what I like yeah. the most about it. Which, to me, it just, it's it's intriguing. Because it'd be interesting to see, I'm, I'm not going to read too much into 
Bombatch's personal life. Okay. Apparently, he has two children. Just read that briefly. Do we know if he's... I think he is divorced, is he? Uh, I can check. I feel like I read that somewhere. I, I, you would think that he probably would have You know what to I still be. got on my Google right now? I still got that Adam Sandler one, both be- worst actor and worst actress in Jack and Jill. That's still what's on my computer right now. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> so good. But um, the Razzies. I think it's, it's interesting because it's like... Because there's so much back and forth and it gets to the point where you don't really know whose side you want to be on. Mm-hmm. I don't think I ever decided whose side I was on. Because she ends up, at least emotionally, better off than he does. Mm. He might end up, I think, financially better off, and he still gets to own his creative baby, as per se, but he doesn't get to own his actual kid. So, like, because his actual kid stays with Scarlett Johansson. Mm. Like, well, 50. And then there's that weird sort of underlying thing that both Laura Dern and Ray Liotta's characters present, which is this obsession with winning the divorce Mm. rather than what's best for the kid, which I think this film sort of runs its course the way it should have ran. Like, I think she was better for him in terms of for the kid's living conditions. But then... There's that argument that it's like, oh, well, L.A. is kind of this... I don't think either New York... I personally don't think New York or L.A. is any place to raise a kid, but... <laughs> well, you're, think, you're thinking about the actual physical location. But I think that's what this film makes you think about. I didn't think about that at all. It was very much like the parent... I didn't even know who I wanted the kid to be with. I was kind of just along for the ride. But I think that's like... I think this is definitely... And it, it comes back to some of the shots, especially in the car where, like, Adam Driver's looking back to the kid. Mm. It almost feels like we're the kid in this divorce sometimes, in a I way. feel. We're definitely from a similar perspective. Where we don't have flight. a say. No. They're all doing their own thing. And we're sort of only doing our surface-level observations yeah. situation. We like hanging out with mum today, so <laughs> mum's the one we want to hang out with. Well, I, it's very much edited that way. It, I, I do have a, gripe, a little gripe with this film, and it was with the... I wrote it to you. I... Th- was a bit frustrated. I felt like the kid sometimes was a bit dumber than what an eight-year-old would be. Okay, um, in what way? Um, okay. Uh, like he was just some of the times he had attention span issues that were like a little bit too much, or there'd be things like there was a weird sort of over-babying of the kid. Like he's an eight-year-old in a booster seat. Now I know that's more attributed to the two parents uh, being kind of borderline helicopter, but I don't know about you. I was on a booster seat at eight, eight years old. Uh, I think. No, I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> I don't think I was. No, maybe. I mean, that, that's like an easy fix. It could have just been slightly younger. It could have been like a five or six year old. Yeah. Yeah. I think. But the, you can also attest to that being the kid. Like, his could parents are going a divorce, so he's kind of not and acting the, out, but the, reacting to it. They also established that this kid is incredibly babied. Like, from like every mm, time. Okay. And like, from a, like, He's nurtured, overly nurtured by both his parents. Right. Because, like, his parents get up in the middle of the night to mm. to sleep with him. And and from a kid's point of view, it's like, okay, well, it comes back to nurturing. If, if your parents are constantly like, oh, like, there's a, there is a legitimate... So it's probably actually justified, to be honest, why this kid's a certain way and the parents are actually kind of responsible for it because... Like things like uh, Scarlett Johansson giving him a, a reward for going to the bathroom. 
Oh, that's right. So it's so you're, I guess helicopter parent. You're right. Yeah, I guess there is a bit helicopter of helicopter yeah. parent. I think they both are. Cause, okay. Cause, I buy that. And that sort of plays into the fact that they both think they're like they're both really worried about when they're getting reviewed. Yeah, yeah. And by the <sighs> by the person who was very weird and kinda, <laughs> she was kind of like I kind of loved her. She's kind of space because she's, Yeah, because she's like, obviously she's like the threat of the scene, but she just seems so clueless as well. Yeah. Which is even scarier because you're like, this person what is she going to, yeah, yeah, she's like, what is she going to do? What is she going to say? Yeah. What's the end result of this, I, it's, of this thing? I think and, because you've brought up the fact that he was so like laser focused on getting everything in the script exactly on screen. Mm. These are all intentional choices. Oh, of course. And because of these reactions coming from both of us, I feel like I'm too often talking myself out of a complaint in this film that I would have with this <laughs> film, simply because the script's so tight. And I mean, hey, we're talking it out. This is how, this is how it goes. Sometimes you just pick up on... I mean, our Nebraska discussion, not that I had any thoughts with Nebraska, but, man, I went from really liking that film to really loving that film after our discussion. Yeah. Just because we talk it out and we realise things. So yeah. It makes sense to me. I, I think I everything from this film I enjoy. And there are multiple highlight scenes and there are multiple... I like the <laughs> aesthetic. I like the way the camera moves. I love the performances. Uh, there was, like, this is not a film I'd probably revisit soon, but I would revisit one day. I think I will... Because, like I said, I only rewatched a few scenes. I didn't mm-hmm. have a lot of time yesterday, so I was like, oh, I'll rewatch some of the beginning. I jumped to some of my, like, oh, I really need to rewatch this scene stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, man, it really, the sharpness is really apparent the second time you watch it. The What I like is sort of what you would perceive as, from an audience point of view, the stakes of this film seem in, in cinema mm. relatively low. I mean, at the end of the day, it's two people fighting over who has a kid. And if you like that premise is so simplistic, but because this film is so grounded in reality, mm. we find ourselves more compelled to watch this than if the world was at stake sometimes, you know? Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's deciding what your stakes are. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't matter how low or high they are, as long as within the context of the world. And in this world, Every little bit of, bit of dialogue matters. Every little mm. action these two can Every... poke at each other at, it all matters in these stakes. So that's why it works, I feel like. I found that a really interesting thing that every character, at least off the top of my head, every character has either gone through a divorce or is going through a divorce in this oh, film. I didn't pick up on that. At least the main ones, like Laura Dern was in one. She right. was divorced. I'm not sure about Leota, but I think he might have been. Well, he uh, is that the first lawyer yeah. that he has. Yeah, he um, when they're in the office, I think he mentions having had a couple of divorces. Yeah, and then yeah, okay, your boy. Uh, oh, the, the Wallace. Other... Um, I forget his name. The little dude from Incredibles. Yeah, a little different. <laughs> he also it went through like four divorces. Right, that is a good pickup. So I I found that really intriguing because I, I was like, so cool. That was or like, I think the only person that doesn't is like the assistant of Leota, who has a son... Well, he just says he has a son, so we don't actually even know. But, like, the character... I feel like most of the dialogue here is either centred around the divorce case or divorces in general, which I always thought was really interesting. There's no yeah. real filler. I mean, 
And then, oh, the only character that's not divorced is um, Nicole's mum, and Nicole's mum was married to a gay man. Oh, yeah. So their marriage still ended, because it sounded like he died, or he found out he he was gay, then died. Well, he died, and apparently their relationship was, I think they had two kids, but then she found out he was gay, but they just stayed together, which a lot of couples did that. That happens. In that time frame, so... Because there's a joke about Nicole walk, uh, saying that her mum walked in on him giving a blowjob to like, the porter or something. <laughs> that was actually a funny line. Uh, good stuff. No, I... Yeah, I think I think the specificity of, of the dialogue and just everything that's happening, it, it, it gets you into the world and that's where the stakes well, come It's very from. focused. Yeah, so, you find yeah. just... You find just I mean, at the end of the day, I find it fascinating that a film manages to be like, like base, it's a custody battle. I watched mm. two two hours and twenty minutes of a custody battle, but I wanted to watch every single minute of it, yeah. and I was invested in it, and I was invested in the characters and what would happen in the fallout of the end of this custody battle because they do give a good kind of fifteen minute epilogue to the, the whole. Yeah, saga. there's a nice sort of. You're right. It does go on for a little while after the, and it, it never to me it never felt like a concrete. This is when the court the case ended. Yeah. Even though there is sort of that, okay, well, it's a, ended There's now. an exchange between Laurida and Nicole yeah, being like, like oh, oh, I snuck in a couple of extra days. You get to keep you know, your kid sort of thing. Even, though she, Even yeah. though she didn't want it at all. And that was that weird moment where it was like, it went from, uh, there were earlier dialogue exchanges between Charlie and Nicole about how Nicole thought Laura Dern's character was mm. kind of more a friend than a lawyer. Right. But... That's that the whole scene thing. felt like the earth-shattering scene, the glass-shattering <laughs> scene for that, because it was like, oh, you weren't my friend. You were just a... You wanted com- to win. Competitive lawyer, yeah. But she says, he's like, I don't want him bragging to his friends that he got 50-50. Yeah. She's wanting to win. And that. And I said this the other week, this film is about the external factors of divorce. Can, can I ask you, did you think yeah. Laura Dern's character was flirting with Charlie in that scene where, like... Which one? Uh, oh, I went after They're they, in, like, the office yeah, space. Yeah, they're debating, but then they have, like, a lunch break or something. Yeah. Um... I felt like no. it was a... Mm. I mean, you might be right. I only watched that scene the once, but... Um, it felt a little innuendoed. Mm. Like, and that probably made, was. Like, because she was saying how amazing he was. And I don't know, because it goes between... This was sort of Laura Dern's character, too, of, like, baiting you in with a compliment and then slight <laughs> coming up behind you. She's getting revenge for all of those B-cast roles right, she got. Right. <laughs> In like cold pursued and the founder. founder and yeah, all yeah. these like shitty roles you have to put up with. Um, I, you know what, you're probably right, but mm. I don't remember feeling that way at the time. I just think I look at her and she was always in heels and like a relatively short dress. She was very, she was presented in a very like completely opposite to Nicole, who was presented. Yeah, who was as stylish, but still, you're right, maternal. Conserv- yeah, maternal, maternal, conserv- conservative. Yeah. And, yeah, all these things. Even her first, Laura Dern's first line in the film is like, "Oh, sorry, I don't look so." Like, what's the word? She's like, oh, I don't, I don't look yeah. so great at the moment. I just had a thing with my kids at the, at school or something. And yeah. she looks like incredible. She's like, <laughs> got like fifteen inch heels on. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I'm not gonna say any of that stuff's accidental. I think it's there for a reason. Oh, of course. And that sort of because that lunch break was happening, and she was sort of being like, oh, Charlie, you're so amazing. You're so amazing. I loved. And they wouldn't stop talking about how great his like genius was. Mm. And it's like. Even She's though like, Scarlett's already poured her heart out into the her argument with that, yeah. So it's like, oh. so it felt a little weird, mm. um, but deliberately weird, obviously. Yeah, of course. Um, no, nothing in this film felt like weird or out of play. Like everything was so 
airtight. I think what I like about this film the most is I think if multiple people watch it, multiple people are going to take different things from different scenes. Oh, definitely. And by contributing that, you end up getting the whole kind of compass because it's two and a half hours and some of the scenes can feel like... Some scenes, I like, I find myself being like, okay, I know what's happening in this scene. But I think if you pay more attention to it, you get more out of that sort of scene. Because that was was the dynamic between Sarah and I's discussion and even our discussion right now. Yeah. Um... It feels like you saw certain scenes more clearer than I saw for certain, okay. certain certain scenes. Like you paid more attention to certain things, and then I feel like I've had a different reading on a different scene. Which I think this whole film is just sort of one saga of perception. Yeah, literally. I mean, it's it's a lot of perceptions bouncing at each other, and that goes into like the lawyers. They're arguing arguing on the behalf of their clients. And they're saying things that those clients would never probably say to each other. Yeah. I mean, that's why yeah. the, like, that scene especially, that court mm. hearing, where they're both not even making eye contact with each other, or whenever they are making eye contact with each other, the other one is pegging it yeah, as yeah. far away from the <laughs> other person as possible. Uh, but um, And to your point, the scenes as well. Like I love that these scenes... And I mentioned it in Irishman, how a lot of that film is a lot of montage and quickie mm-hmm. cuts and stuff, and... There's like full on scenes at the end, but this film has a lot of just five, ten minute scenes, which I really, I really appreciate. They yeah, just it's kind a of like dip to blacks. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and this was encompassed as well because, like I said, when I when I watched it with my friend Perry, she had to go to the bathroom during the Adam Driver's first m- lawyer meeting, and she went to the bathroom and came back, and it was still the same scene. She could still pick up on what was going on, mm-hmm. which I really appreciated it because they kind of let I, it draw out. I, I like it because it, yeah, it kind of adds to it being a. St- like I'll be like a story mm. because it's like a marriage story. Yeah. Because it almost feels like <laughs> scenes are broken up into chapters mm. of a book. And this book has a start and an end. Like we both, we, we've, we establish why they fall in love with each other, but I always loved. And I was worried the first time when she was talking about how they met, that we were going to cut back to some scene oh, five no. or 10 years earlier. <laughs> and I'm so glad I'm, I'm a, I mean, it's a, it's like the film that I've talked to you behind the scenes of the show about that I want to write, the feature film that I want to write, and how mm. I want to keep it all present day. Right. No no flashbacks or anything You're telling like the story through what's there in front of your eyes. Yeah, and it's their perception of the past. Mm. Because there's something, uh, at the end of the day, memories don't appear. Mm. Like, we don't, we don't manifest memory. It's something that we can only talk about in the contemporary, and I like that more. And it's... This film did it. I mean, Blue Jay did it. Um, Private Life did it. They were all present-day expressions of past events. Yeah. And I really like that story. Actually, Tar- that's pretty much the South Getaway script as well. Yeah. Because I've already said there's no cutting... So we're kind of on the same page with that. Yeah. Where you tell the past through the present-day actions of your character instead yeah. of showing the previous actions Because I think by doing that, you're first off, you're getting these two people that have very much subjective discourse mm. of of the truth, you know, and well, we're seeing both perspectives in a very sort of uh, individualized way. Yeah, and I think it comes back to the it all cultivates with that big fight that they have. Oh, I guess that's that would be the that's the tipping point of the second that's got to be end of that's second the act. low point that's the low point right because they've they've said things that they would never say prior I mean, adam to this. driver says she 
He wants her to he die. Wants her to get, get in a as car long accident. as his son is safe, he wants her to get cancer and then die in a car crash. Yeah. And that was like... And, oh, my God. And then he breaks down. Yeah. He knows he went too far with that. I fucking love that moment. Because I think that's the thing where it's like, it comes back, it all comes full circle to what she said about how he's always controlling his emotions and she's mm. the one who's always spouting out. Whereas in that one, in that fight, he loses it. Mm. And she she gets, she fights back, but she doesn't lose it, lose it. Yeah, she's still quite self-contained a little bit like there's moments where like she her body would physically like jump out of her skin with anger but she would never lose it she didn't punch a wall (laughs) yeah like he did she ended up he didn't she didn't end up crying on her knees on the floor yeah so i I just that scene was just that might be one of my favorite scenes this year that was that was that was two people that just and i i can't be the only one when when he says, don't compare me to my father, I wasn't the only one who thought of Star Wars in that moment, was I? Well, that's pretty He's good. He's like, don't talk to, don't compare me to my father. And I'm like, Kylo, shut up. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be funny if like Harrison Ford just knocked on the door. <laughs> no, you guys, I want a paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> or if he was like the lawyer. <laughs> He's like his lawyer. Yeah. Oh, that would have been. That would have been. Nah, it would have taken you out of the movie too much. Yeah, he's like, I've heard ten divorces. <laughs> you guys got any weed? If I never played, I can crash. Oh, <laughs> but he survives all of them. It's fine. <laughs> okay, that was a. That was a, that was a tangent in one of the darkest chapters of the show. No, oh, um, Jesus Christ! No, I, I think that was. That scene's amazing. Mm. That scene's. I, I don't want. I've. I've. I'm. I, have you got anything you want to add? Ah, we can you? jump into highlight scenes if you that's, want. That's 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 one of them. That's definitely up there. That would probably be one of my highlights or honorable mentions. Oh, as okay. one scene so what I was, like. That's probably mine. Admittedly, that it's was, amazing. That was that was two guys. That was that was that was two actors giving it their all, and I loved it. Man, just imagine like the amount of takes that to do, the amount of coverage, and to keep that energy there. I mean that's the challenge. That's a real challenge of a screen actor is to just keep comes it back going. to like everything in that scene. I like like the way that the house is very naturally lit. I know it might have been artificially lit, but it has the perception of natural yeah. light. And even the set deck is empty because he's just moved in. Yeah, it's very flat. Mm. It's very real. But even the blocking is like. There's blocking in this film. When's the yeah, last well, time you've seen like blocking the camera in the moving film? into like looking down the hallway into the bedroom slit. Yeah, and we just get a bit of a slice of them as they walk back out. Yeah. And oh, it's it's so clever. It's a I really clever it. scene. My highlight scene though has to go to the scene when he's it's him and his son and their their health care special or whatever her role mm. is. And I mean that scene is like, yeah, like this is you're kind of rooting for him to like show up and you know, prove to this yeah. guy, like, I can keep my son sort of thing. And they establish a couple of times this knife that he has and his keys. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why does he have this thing that he shows? And he's like, oh, I use this as a little trick. I show this. And he doesn't realize he's just accidentally slit his own wrist. Yeah. Well, he's cut that whole forearm yeah, section. Yeah, the whole forearm. And it, the reveal is so perfect. And be, I was lucky enough, we had a crowd, obviously, mm-hmm. to hear that moment when he, for a split second on screen, you see the cut before he realizes it and just the the fucking oh, like that sound around mm. me of like holy 
<laughs> and there's a follow-up of him trying to conserve it. And he ends like, up oh, passing out. Yeah, and the... he passed out. And it's like, I mean, that demonstrates like the length he's going to keep his child. Well, he could die. I think that's how he lost main custody too because of that, that scene. That makes sense, Because yeah. it cuts to the, the following scene is with... Um, Laura, Laura Dern yeah, and, 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 she and yeah, and she's like, "Well, we, you've got her, and we won, and you get some extra stuff on the side." So, I think that scene because of obviously him bleeding profusely from yeah, from the cut, yeah. Which I mean, that's a that's a good demonstration right there of like a father probably shouldn't have like a real knife like that on his keys just to impress his kid because like yeah. That was my thing of like that's a really dangerous. Oh shit! Yeah. <laughs> it's got that blind spotting and effect of having a owning a gun. And- yeah, yeah. Oh. But that, that's the thing. That that was the moment I talked about a couple of weeks ago. That was the moment when I was like laughing at the absurd. Like it would just be every twenty seconds, I would just burst out laughing. Like this is nuts. But I'm like holding myself. I'm like that is oh, it's like terrifying. It was, yeah, that was my favorite. It was amazing. No, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Well, Marriage Story is out on, on Netflix. Boy. Give it a check. It's gonna probably get nominated. Oh, um, I think Adam Driver's serious competition against Joaquin. Oh I think yeah, that's a legitimate challenge. And I right think, there. and I think the personally, I think the Academy would be more inclined to give it to something that wasn't Joker. <laughs> I do. If I honestly give Joker do. Anything it would be for the acting part, but you're right. Because like, like the, what family family drama or psychopath they're probably going to give yeah. it to the family drama and they would call it a superhero film as well they'd be like yeah well dramatic. that's 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 the real thing yeah. yeah um i still think the joker soundtrack should win indie darling best. yeah or yeah. superhero film but then it's also a netflix film so there'll be a lot of like at the at the sound of that true this could be tricky oh they'll give it to ad astra <laughs> oh god you give, know they just will give everything once put a time in hollywood <laughs> Oh, that too. Oh my God. No, <laughs> I think that's. Quite, I think I think he's got a best director lock right there, Quinton. You kidding? Oh, I I think I think they really will give it to him this time. Ah, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. So what's yeah. new in cinemas this week, Jake? I heard there's quite a list. There is a a lot of shit coming <laughs> coming out this week. I mean, it's not all shit, but let's. I'll I'll go through it and I'll just I'll give you some quick little okay. descriptions on it. So, wrinkles the clown which is a comedy horror documentary about a clown for hire who is hired by parents to scare misbehaved children. I've seen a trailer for this and it looks really interesting. This is like a legitimate thing. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, he's going for it. Um, so Wrinkles the Clown. It is, I'm really, I mean, that clown looks horrifying. But the idea of the doctor sounds really curious, especially because we've had that whole clown scare thing the last couple of Halloween. That's a strong nope. <laughs> <laughs> just on the poster, is that what it is? Ah, uh, good stuff. All right, well, let's get a little friendlier. Uh, there is Playmobil, the movie, which stars Daniel Radcliffe and Anna Taylor-Joy. That's that's so sweet. Oh, he's looking it up. <laughs> I I always thought Playmobil was the most grossest-looking, like, Lego knockoff. <laughs> Never looked good. 19% on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, Jesus. That's, that's not a good one. The ideal... Uh, Palace, which is about a humble postman who devotes 33 years of his life to building a palace for his daughter in this French period true story, or based on a true story. Hmm. So, I, I don't know, 33, that's a lot of years. Your daughter does not need to live in a, Paris, I'm, a palace, I'm just saying. Uh, the Queen's Corgi, which is about the Queen's dog finding himself in Fight Club, literally. What? And, and I've seen footage of this. There is a literal... 
like Trump is a character in this, and he's as he's as cartoony as you what's can it, imagine. What's it called? It's called the Corgi's, uh, the Queen's Corgi. Sorry, and uh, yeah, it looks terrible. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's so the Playmobil movie had one of the worst box office openings of all time. Oh, what two dollars? Okay. Did Disconnected so, make more than it? That's what I want to know. You gotta like it, actually. Playmobil the movie <laughs> opened to $670,000 at the domestic box office after its December 6th release. Since XTX opened the movie in an optimistic 2,337 North American theatres, they came down to $287 per screen. Oh. Okay, well, I Disconnected made more per screen. I could say that. Yes. The one screening made more than their one screen. Actually, I think it made more than two of their screenings. There you go. So technically, it did do better. Yeah, yeah. disconnected. Much better film than... Which, 287. Which, film? which so, film? Playmobil the movie. Playmobil the movie. Poor Daniel Radcliffe. You can be so, my next film. So $287. <laughs> so that's like... That's going to be like an average of 10, 14 people. If it's 20 bucks a ticket. <laughs> 14 people. Per screen? That's like In opening even... weekend. Okay, yeah. For every no one screen. knows what this is, the Playmobil crap. I don't, no one knows. I just think that's funny. Uh, all right, Playing With Fire, which is John Cena who adopts three kids after rescuing them from a fire. He looks old in this, and, and I mo- love John Cena. The movie looks terrible. And I thought it was coming out in January for some reason, but apparently it was coming out this week. I saw a clip, and yeah, it does not. It looks very, like... Straight to Netflix. Yeah, not even that. It's It's when Netflix denied the right to have that bloody... Sherlock Holmes knockoff, whatever it was. Holmes and Watson. Yeah, when they when Netflix said no to that film, sounds like that, that's what we're getting here as well. <laughs> Just watch Firehouse Dog instead. Just watch Cockblockers. <laughs> yeah, I I gotta watch it because you you recommended it. Black Christmas, which is the Blumhouse remake of the 1974 slasher horror, and it's about uh, sorority girls fighting back against an unknown killer stalker. It does it take place on Black Friday or Christmas. <laughs> Oh, that's a good question. So somewhere in the middle. Well, probably Christmas, because the, the black would be like the death or the... Oh, okay, yeah. So I guess that makes sense. What, what if it starts at Black Friday and finishes yeah. at Christmas? An event on Black Friday leads them to going out into the woods on Christmas Day. <laughs> I like how it's always sorority girls. It's like... Because you've got to have their tits out, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's based on a 74 slasher film. Of course, that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, Shaka, which is a documentary on the snowboarding world champion, uh, Matthew Coppell, I believe that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks gorgeous, like the shots and the drone stuff. It looks amazing, but he's a surfer, not a snowboarder. Oh. Why are all the descriptions say snowboarding? He's, oh, he's on the beach. He's not in the snow. Maybe it's both. Maybe is, is snowboarding like a dual terminology? No. No? Even no. In, Unless the ice is frozen, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Machine, which is a documentary on the practical applications of AI in today's world. The Gentleman, uh, which is the new Guy Ritchie film starring Matthew McConaughey, has a preview screening this Sunday on the 15th at Hoyt's. So if you want to catch that early before it's January 1st release, you can. It's called The Gentleman. And last but not least, a film called Underground, directed by Michael Bay and starring Ryan Reynolds, comes to Netflix this week. So, That's a lot of films. That is a shitload of films. But, Jake, so, yeah. 
We're not watching any of those next week, I'm no. sure. No, well, we're busy with our own preview screening on Sunday. We are. We're doing another one. This is like... Uh, another film on this no, show? No, another preview screening. Whoa! Because we did Irishman early. That's true, that's true. And now we're doing this film early. We're starting to get some exclusive early films on this show. Uh, well, it has been out in the US for a little while. No, no, no. Exclusive <laughs> Australian <laughs> films. This film doesn't exist prior to us watching it. Award-winning podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Jake, what are we watching? Oh... Excited to say, next, Jesus Christ, Netflix weeks, weeks, week, Netflix. Next week on the show, we are watching <laughs> Jojo Rabbit. Here's Marshall Jojo. You're our top man. Prepare to leave the house. Today, you boys will be involved in such activities as war games, <laughs> ambush techniques, and blowing stuff up. I don't think I can do this. Russ? Of course you can. Jojo is a lonely German boy who discovers that his single mother is hiding a Jewish girl in their attic. Oh no. And aided only by his imaginary friend, Adolf Hitler, Jojo must confront his blind nationalism as World War II continues to rage on. I had no clue he was imaginary in this film. I thought Adolf Hitler was just chilling with a kid. I literally... (laughs) I haven't seen any of the trailers. That's even... Some of the trailers are great. No, but I don't want to... They have the Shrek music in one of them. But I don't want to... Because I'm... We've had this argument a million times. If I'm going to see the movie, I'm not going to watch the trailer. That's a good point. I wouldn't have watched the Knives Out trailer. If it didn't play before our screenings. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, What movie was it before? Um, Something. It wasn't Joker. Was it Joker? No, you know what? I think it was... um, uh, Zombieland 2. An Irishman. Are you sure? Did we get trailers at Irishman? I think we did. I think it was um, Zombieland 2. It was I think Zombieland, yeah. It that's was, a safe Because that was in Frio. But yeah, I have no real interest. I'm going to see this film anyway. Yeah, fair And well, we're going to go see a preview screening. Yeah, it's a preview screening. It's lucky this screening exists, because otherwise we wouldn't be able to watch this film until like February. Yeah. Or at least do a podcast on it together. Due to current circumstances. Mm. Well, future circumstances. Current. Which we'll talk Are about. Are we'll, right well, now? Well, well, we'll we'll talk about it in a few weeks. Yeah, we're very close to to talking about our plans for the summer. But yes. um, until then, uh, it's funny because Lunar Palace Cinemas just dropped this image literally as we announced that we're doing JoJo next week. Uh, for the Critics' Choice Award nominations, it got seven of those nominations, including Best Picture, Best Adapted Screenplay from Taika Waititi, mm-hmm. and Best Supporting Actress in Scarlett Johansson. How appropriate, considering our conversation just a minute ago. Yeah. So, uh, so I'm so excited for this film. She's going to have a strong run home, Scarlett Johansson. I think she could win both supporting and best between the two films. No. Yeah. Maybe. Oh, wait, it's best, po- it's, best, it's I mean, possible. They're, they're keeping them separate, right? Females and males this year, right? Yeah. yeah. Not, the Academy aren't that forward thinking. No, well, they keep, they, <laughs> every year it keeps getting addressed that they should. Oh, I'm going to openly say this before the end of the show. I think oh, that they are both, you can both call them. If they want to be all referred, we all want to be referred to actors. That's fine, but keep the ca- keep the category separate, guys. Let's try and increase your chances for winning an award. That's literally my same thinking. Like, like you have better chances this way. <laughs> don't don't make it one award. Make it make it keep it two. Well, it's, it's if, it. I, if I was a dude, like if I'm a dude actor, I don't want to go up against other dudes. Because yeah, like. But then on the flip side, when you date a bisexual girl, you're like, yeah, I beat out all the other genders as well. And then they still dump you anyway. Jesus. <laughs> a weird end of the show. I just think that it's like, what is it? Because how many, how many get nominated each year? It's five, right? Is it I five? I think five per, yeah. So five for dudes, five for chicks. Yeah. So like, 
for uh, best for best actress from a dude and best actress from a chick. From a chick, yeah. But like, <laughs> what if you was make that five between the ten, or do you make it ten overall? But then it's like still the two awards for between ten people. Well, you know what's no, you know what would happen if they did it like ten awards, but they included like both but yeah, male and so female. It would become what is happening today with the the racial thing, where they don't necessarily have to nominate five guys, five girls. But then, if they don't, they're going to get called out for it. It's out like, oh, why none of the best actors this year are black people, you know? Yeah. And it would now it would be the same thing with the gender thing. But you can't really do a category for best African-American performer. Because then it becomes segregated. Yeah, because yeah, then, it see, it's, it's really tricky. And the, uh, the Oscars, they're nearly 100 years old now. They're kind well, of this stuck is what with you, it. Yeah, this is what you do. You ignore all that stuff, and you just keep everything as it is. Well, except one thing. Best, best, best picture... There should be no international and best picture. They should actually be the same topic. I yeah. think. I think That's that should be a merged call. category. That's the, if I was to merge one category, it is best picture and best international picture. And there should be no limit, like country per limit stuff. It's yeah, definitely literally no just country the per best limit. films. Yeah. If there are three from South Korea, give them, give all three of them a nod. And I, I really like that they bumped it from five to ten. Uh, about a decade ago, now they did that. It yeah. used to only be five best pitches. Now you can do ten Because the fact of the matter is Roma was the best film last year. Roma should have won last year. And or the favourite. Green yeah. Book is a weird choice. In hindsight, it was, it was probably one of the worst choices of that entire uh, group. It, it, it's the safest choice. It's the safest choice, but it's like if they'd done like Black Panther instead, I would have been probably angry about that. Yeah. But like even A Star Is Born, I would have been like, okay. Yeah, I wouldn't have been happy with A Star Is Born either. I would have been fine with it. No. I, no, I would be fine with. I would be like, I, I wouldn't be fine. Yeah, with okay. It. I actually think I would be more fine. I'm more fine with Green Book than over Star Is Born, but I do think Roma was the best film last Roma year. Roma was the best film. So, the, not the set. Give Private Life a nod too. So Jojo Rabbit next uh, week. Sorry, <laughs> no, this is a good like last minute tangent. But no, yeah. absolutely. I think we're going to talk more about Oscars as they come back up into the the limelight. I think it's a huge when? point of conversation, especially with we were just talking about the People's Choice Award. Yeah, thing. literally, yeah. So it, I think the fact of the matter is Oscar season comes around. We're getting close to it. So these films, they're definitely in the right Absolutely, season yeah. for it. You know, Marriage Story came out at this time of year and Irishman came out at this time of year. I wonder for why. For a reason. Mm, so, yeah. I mean, fact of the matter is it's these are films that we need to talk about. And by talking about them, we are also talking about the awards. And it would be really I'm cool saying. to see her get, like, has anyone ever done that before? We'll yeah, find... a few, I think a few people have. I, I don't know off the top of my head. We'll have to find out couple. maybe next week on the show. Ooh, look at that. A little homework, a little homework. Yeah, a little homework, a little homework. But thank you for joining us for the Cinema Science Show podcast. I was Zeke. I was Jake. And we'll catch you next week with Jojo Rabbit. <laughs>